What up, witches, and welcome to Witching the Bitch in the podcast. I'm your host, Darren. And I'm Vicky. How are you all today? I hope you're doing really, really well. Vicky's not. That's why <laughs> she's not. not as chipper today. <laughs> no. So, Vicky, no. Let, our, let our listeners slash viewers know what's going on with you today. <laughs> well, I don't even know, to be honest. Technology just does not want to work for me today. It didn't want to be in the original spot. So, as you can see, I've just got this blank behind me, and I'm just not moving at all because... Technology seems to be happy in this little bubble. And here, here I was thinking that the Leo rising would be in her element during the Lionsgate season in Leo. You know and what? No, it has just been this big <laughs> that's come through. I'm like, okay, I'll just stay here. Okay, so, yes. <laughs> so, yes, that's why I have this weird nothing background and I'm very far away and all the rest of it. Technology. Just don't move that. Don't I'm move. not going to move. Yeah. <laughs> so I was actually hoping you would go down a different route. So we were we were speculating off camera with our, with our guest who I'm about to introduce. Oh, yes. That could have been perhaps that, you know, there's some, some trickery going on, but we'll I'm get to that soon. Sure there is. I need to, I'm very much in need of guidance here. What yeah. do I need to be doing? Yeah. creating this to, to stop all of this from happening. So yes. in case you're wondering what I'm talking about, so we've got an amazing guest here. So Morgan Daimler is an author, teacher of esoteric subjects, witch and priest of the good folk, aka fairies. A prolific writer, Morgan has published more than three dozen books. You heard that right, three dozen, both fiction and nonfiction, and presented workshops on fairies and Irish mythology at various events and conferences so can you please welcome morgan Yay! <laughs> hello how are you going well i'm i'm good i'm really happy to be here i'm excited <laughs> good. i'm glad thank you so much for coming on and thank you for having me of course well see now we definitely need you we need all of your information just to see what on earth is going on here <laughs> as well <laughs> Yeah. So have you got any tips on like, because like, I know we said off camera, but we'll bring it on camera now that you, you were speculating that maybe there could be some fairies at play here. Yeah. It's, it just seems to be a thing whenever this subject is coming up in a, a technological format, like, like this, that there's always really weird and explicable tech issues, uh, which definitely has been the case it's so far funny. today. Yes. yes. Definitely. Um, so yeah, maybe a good idea to offer a little like milk or cream or butter, and a little honey offerings. for them. Yeah. So, so, so there's no lactose intolerant fairies then. No. <laughs> <laughs> just, just kidding. Just kidding. Not that I know of. I mean, okay, cool. <laughs> everybody seems to be happy with that, so that's good. Okay, I need to get up on my offerings. Yes, <laughs> I, I'm going to get on your case. Back. I will yes. get on your case. <laughs> yes. Well, see, I did. I used to be very good with all of that kind of thing. And I did slip a little. So maybe this has been the boost to mm -hmm. remember again. <laughs> this, is the, this is the kick up the backside more like yeah, it. Yeah, that's right. Like, you want to interview? No. <laughs> no, that's right. We need to have the offerings first. Okay, check. Offerings done. Right. <laughs> all right. I'd love to just ask for your... Um, I guess your opinion and what your definition is of a modern day witch, because we, that's how, how we often start the start our interviews, just knowing that there is so many different ways. And with your background, I'd just love to know what your definition is. Sure. Um, I mean, to me, someone is a witch if they practice um, any sort of magic and if yeah. they consider themselves a witch. Yep. 
So I'm I'm very easygoing. <laughs> I love like, it when it comes to that. Yeah, and I'm actually I'm I'm not a huge fan of gatekeeping in mm-hmm. general. Mm-hmm. So yeah. any sort of definition that's like really particular, I tend to not be a fan of. So yeah, yeah. If, if you think you're a witch and you do magic, there you go. You're in. You got the ticks. And I mean, that's a big thing, isn't it? That's a really big part of it that we often forget is if if you actually just consider yourself that as well that you. Mm-hmm. Who are you to be able to take that away from somebody else? Yeah. yeah. I don't, I yeah. don't think we can ever really judge other people's journeys or experiences mm. or, you know, know what's, what's going on with them behind the scenes. So yeah. if they say they are okay. Yep. Yeah. That's it. I love it. Nice yeah. and simple. I love that. That's so yes. good. And with that in mind, then do you, do you use the word which for um to describe yourself or any other kind of terms or descriptors i do i do um currently pretty much i just stick to to which yep very straightforward Um, (laughs) nice and easy (laughs) yeah uh previously i i have used other terms but i found that other terms i would always have to get into like explanations and you know it would end up being like a long essay of (laughs) You know, why do I call myself a druid or, you know, why do I call myself a heathen? And, you know, now it's just, I'm just switch and just switch. Yeah. You know, a little bit of Irish and a little bit of heathenry and mix it all together. And there you go. But just, just a witch. At the end of the day, that's what you are. That's good. I love that. Beautiful. Yeah. So like we kind of touched that a little bit on there. Like, is it, could we unpack just so that uh, for the people who like, obviously I know you through your work with Pagan Portals and I've seen that you've written like countless books on in particular Irish Celtic uh, mm. paganism and, and, and the gods um, and then also the fairy realm. But then what's the origin story of Morgan? Like, how did we get to here? Like, as in, when, <laughs> and I know that that's a, quite an open question, but like <laughs> traditions have you been through? Like, I know you mentioned heathenry, you mentioned druidry, yep. like what other types of traditions and paths have you followed to get to this point? Sure. I feel like it's a much more spectacular origin story now. It's got set up like jazz hands. And yeah. Um, no, I just, um, well, I'll, I'll start really at the beginning where um, my parents, my, my dad was Catholic. My mom was Protestant, which is kind of a no, no for yeah. some people. Yeah. yeah so they their families came up with the what I consider to be the absolute most ridiculous sort of a ceasefire agreement in order for them to get married, which is they had to promise not to raise any children in any religion. Oh, oh wow. That, that was their big compromise. Wow. <laughs> I don't know how this happened, to be honest, but so growing up, we, we weren't raised anything. We never went to church. We never like they, it was like not discussed. And so for me, when I was younger, I, you know, I had experiences with fairies. I um, would see things and all that kind of stuff. And when I would talk to my parents about it, they were always not encouraging, but not discouraging either. Mm-hmm. They would just sort of take what I said and be like, oh, okay. You know, you want to write letters and leave them on the windowsill for fairies. Okay. Um, build little fairy houses. Sure. Um, <laughs> so, you know, to me, cause there was no other structure. The holidays we celebrated were just completely secular. I don't think I was, I 
I think I was probably nine or 10 before I realized Christmas was supposed to be a celebration for Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. that was just when Santa came and, you know, Easter was when the Easter bunny came and, and all this other stuff. Yeah. So Wait, are you, you telling know. me that that's not why why we celebrate them? <laughs> I'm just joking. joking. It's it's still why I celebrate them because you know yeah. who doesn't like chocolate from yeah. a magic exactly. rabbit? That's my favorite. <laughs> from a magic rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> How can you go wrong with that? Yeah, right. Um, and then when I was 11, uh, my best friend at the time, who uh, was Irish, she was born in Ireland and then moved to the U.S. Uh, and was extremely Catholic, very Catholic family, but she got a copy of Scott Cunningham's uh, Wicca for the Solitary Practitioner. Mm-hmm. Oh. And of course shared it with me because that's what friends do. Yeah. But to me, it was like this mind blowing, like this is an option. <laughs> this can be <laughs> yeah. a religion, yes. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so as I'm reading it, just everything made so much sense to me. Um, kind of on my own, I had studied various religions, obviously at like nine, 10, 11. Um, but none of them had really clicked. And then I, I hit that and it was like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> we're going, we're going with this. Yeah. Um, and then I started really studying the, the fairies and the folklore and um, kind of particularly focusing on Irish, Irish deities. And this was, mind you, back in the nineties, um, which is the do it yourself era. Yeah. Or- definitely (laughs) um so I was very much that kid who was like well you know I'm just gonna I'm just gonna figure this out and I'll make up my own thing and it'll be great Um, (laughs) best laid plans (laughs) yeah yeah um but it definitely did kind of spark that um that spirituality in me and you know that idea that you know a witchcraft works, magical practice works, and that you can have religion attached to it or not or whatever. But you know, if you do have religion attached to it, that that works really well together. Um, and you know, when I got a little older, when I was in my later teens, I started studying druidry. I was actually part of a group here in the U.S. called the Druid Order of the White Oak, um, and I did that. Um, but it was always, from my point of view, I was always looking for what made sense. Like what works, I'm very pragmatic. (laughs) (laughs) What works and what makes sense. And um, in, I think it was 2006, I started getting interested in heathenry and looking into that and incorporating that. And my my primary focus through all of this, which is sort of where I, why I started with my origin story where I did, has always been the good folk, the fairies. And, you know, when I got into heathenry, um, you know, obviously the gods there are also awesome and cool, but they do have the Alphar, the Hulda folk, the kind of like the, the Norse Germanic Icelandic equivalent for what we have in Ireland for the same kinds of concepts. Um, I also should have said at the beginning that uh, my dad's side of the family, the very Catholic side of the family um, are Irish, nice. um, yeah. at least my, my dad's paternal side. Um, so I think that was also part of why when I was getting into fairies and talking about fairies, they were very like, okay, yeah. sure. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Cause it's very traditional to have that belief system in Ireland. Like yeah. most Irish people are raised with some knowledge of their fae. Yeah. 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 Most, most people in Ireland aren't as interactive. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Probably wouldn't have encouraged children to, you know, <laughs> like go ahead, go, go do that. Um, but there's definitely a belief and a respect 
in it and the idea that like you, you don't mess with certain places and yeah you know you, you sort of acknowledge that they're powerful and, and yes. respect that um so I'm, I'm sure that that also came into play with a lot of this um but yeah like i'd said in defining what what witch is to me like i just i hit a point where i was like you know i can talk about being heathen or i can talk about you know being an irish pagan but which just kind of sums it all up yeah you know it's like an all-encompassing term yeah yeah yeah, yeah. With, no, I, without having to get to the like five minute explanation for what he's doing. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah. So like, actually, I wanted to just uh, a couple of follow up questions on what you said, just for some people who might be listening, uh, they may not necessarily know certain terms. So what would you define as being the difference between heathenry versus paganism? Because it like, you know how they say that all witches are pagans, but not all pagans are witches. Like, is it the same thing with heathens or is it different? Yeah, and this this is actually one of those things that it depends on where you are. Mm. Um, and I, I say this mostly because I the publisher I write for is a UK publisher. They're based in London. Mm-hmm. And what heathen means in London and in, in, in England in general in that part of the world is not the same as oh. how we would use it in the US. Yep. Um, so, you know, like in the UK, if you say you're heathen, it's it's kind of equivalent to being pagan. The terms mm-hmm. are kind of interchangeable. Yep. So you hear people talk about being like an Irish heathen or, you know, um, they, they use those terms synonymously. In the U.S., it's very different. Yeah. Um, if, if you say you're heathen, it's very specifically Norse or Germanic mm. um, or Anglo-Saxon focused, uh, which means yeah. that you um, not necessarily have to be a reconstructionist, but generally try to look at the historic religion yeah. um, and be as close to that usually as you can be um and acknowledge the the, the gods of that pantheon the Aesir, usually vanir um i'm a little different i always manage to be heretical wherever i am because i focus more on the alfar <laughs> yep um, what you gonna do uh whereas pagan is a more general term sort of for anyone who acknowledges or honors more than one god Mm-hmm. But usually in the U.S., if you say pagan, it's it's sort of a separate, separate group than heathen. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. I think it's There's, we. Am I not right, Vicky, in saying that we follow the same principles as I guess the U.S. Then down here, that heathen yeah, and pagan are kind of more. different. Yeah, yeah. That it is usually when you hear the word heathen, it is usually then associated with the north. It's it's more like a, a, is it a, a, yeah. a true? Is that how you pronounce it? As a true, Alsa, and all Alsa of true. It. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So it's it's like that kind of realm. Yeah. Heathenry is very mm-hmm. specific, Nordic, yep. Germanic, that kind of stuff. Um, yep. Whereas pagan is like more the umbrella that encompasses yep. kind of the, everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All the little branches, yep. kind of thing. Yep. Yeah, and that sounds very similar to, to how we have yeah. it over here. Yeah. And yeah. then so then the other question I have for you, then obviously because you've been raised in a situation where you were not raised on religion, um, so uh, primarily, I guess, secular in your upbringing, even though your parents are religious, w- would you say, though, that your practice is religious? Like, do you honour any deities in your practice or...? This is a fun story. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> We love those. So, <laughs> um, I did mm-hmm. uh, when I first started out. Of course, again with Cunningham's wonderful Wicca for the Solitary Practitioner, 
Um, everyone in the 90s, if you can remember the pink cover that it used to have, it's spectacular flashback there. Um, <laughs> and of course, I, I was, you know, 11, 12 years old when I first started. So mm-hmm. when you're that age and you have a book and the book says, you know, you have to have a god and you have to have a goddess, yeah. kind of even embarrassed saying this on anything, <laughs> but you know, so that was in my head, like, oh, okay, so I gotta you know. do this. <laughs> right. Like <laughs> this is this is how you do religion, I guess. Um and I I did carry that forward for quite a while where I was like, when you, you know, you have to have that. If if you're gonna be religious with this, you have to have like, you know, a god and a goddess. And I I kind of as I got into my older teens broke out of that and was like, okay, goddess I have to have, like yeah. not a prerequisite. Um, you can, you could have five goddesses if you want, or, you know, however you want to do it. Um, I, I did for quite a while. Um, I was acting as a priestess of Maha, who's one of the Morrigan, um, it's one of the the more significant Irish goddesses. Um, and then I went to Ireland in 2016 and I ended up, the trip was actually with a group and the, the point was to go for sacred sites to honor the Morrigan. Mm-hmm. Um, and I emphasize that to point out that like this, that was the intention I went there with. And my whole part of the trip went sideways really quickly. And I ended up with all of this other world stuff going on and all of this wow. fairy stuff going on. And um, I, I had a very intense initiatory experience basically with that. Um, wow. and, oh. <laughs> I, I don't sort of recommend it. It's, it's not as much fun <laughs> if you don't know it's going to happen until you're no. like halfway through it. Um, but yeah, it was, it was definitely, um, well, I mean, it was literally life-changing for me. And after that, uh, that's pretty much been my primary focus. And I wouldn't necessarily refer to them as gods or, you know, in that, cause they're, they're slightly different concept. I yeah. Guess say. yeah yeah um but i've i've pretty much been acting as a, a priest or priestess you know whatever term you prefer to use uh for them since then um yeah so i do still acknowledge there are gods and they're important and significant and i've got nothing against deity yeah the way everything's going today like just to be clear yeah, i'm good no I'm I'm yeah. good with you. <laughs> no, no exploding laptops no lightning <laughs> strikes like gods are awesome everyone's good um <laughs> yeah but it's it's my primary i would still say it's religious mm-hmm. um yeah. it's a, still a religious focus but it's it's different Mm-hmm. Um, than it was before. It's very convoluted. I realized. No, but, uh, actually, I, actually, I, that. I love that though. Like yeah, you can first, Vicky. What were you going to say? Yeah, I I think it's really beautiful just to show that as well. That because, like you said, you kind of think like you at, sometimes at the beginning you kind of think I have to do this, I have to have this, and I have all of these things. But it's lovely to just be able to evolve, and we all do kind of change and evolve as things go on, and. Also, like saying in your story about that you had that initiatory experience, which we often, a lot of people will go, oh, I wish I had that and all the rest of it. But it's not as all the sparkles and, and all the rest of it. That everybody kind of sometimes thinks it is. But that you can move with that path and you can find what works for you and you can find where where your connection is and, and those yep. kinds of things with it. Yep. So I think, oh, yeah, I think, I think as, yeah. as, as humans, we get so in our own heads and we're like, yeah. okay, yeah. this is the this is the plan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And 
we're going to go from like, you know, step A to step B to step C. And that was very much my mindset when I went to Ireland mm. at that point. And I was like, okay, you know, I've, I've been, you know, priestess of Maka for, I think it was like 10 years at that point. And we're doing this and, you know, this is, this is my spirituality. This is who I am. <laughs> yeah. Right. And then I got there and they were like, ha ha ha, no. <laughs> no 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 <laughs> yep. um and you know I think sometimes you just have to be willing to be flexible and yeah. and realize like you know it was it was hard seeing certain things come to an end yeah. that had been a significant part of my life for a while but on the other hand you know then you you open up this whole new exciting interesting direction so yeah yeah no, that's beautiful because i think it's like i can almost see a lot of synergy with with some parts of your story in that um and i've shared this with our listeners a number of times about my upbringing being i was actually raised catholic then at age 14 i said to my parents i don't believe in god and that was like a dagger in the heart to my catholic father um <laughs> like blasphemy um and it wasn't until like i grew up and i dabbled in so many different religions and eventually got baptized orthodox which i still funnily enough i still consider myself to be orthodox but i just don't but that's that's cool yeah no but like, it, like i took so much time to kind of unpack that because then when i dabbled through things got baptized orthodox and i thought it was orthodoxy that i wanted but it was actually the ceremonial you know all of that that i was attracted to the practices which yeah. is why because i took that step to get baptized i still honor it but in a traditional because of my background sense but now going through like obviously i went through the whole witch in and out of the witch closet multiple times and it wasn't until i reconciled that whole concept of god because that I had a big hang up about that word and how I pictured him and why would this all loving, all creative, beautiful thing want to smite everybody and cause all this destruction. And until I reconciled that, I couldn't really put it to bed. But now I've mm -hmm. kind of realized that I can, I can still honor those practices and God is nothing more than what we give it, right? So we can, yeah. when some people say God, I just say universe, source, spirit, whatever you want to call it. Funnily enough, no sooner did I get to reconciliation of that, now I have our God that <laughs> decided to, hence the T-shirt and statue, um, which funnily enough is in the Celtic or Irish pantheon. Well, one of. Ga Gaulish, yeah. Oh, Gaulish. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So exactly. So it's like, like I'm just finding so many different things and it took me, what, 20 something years to get to this point of reconciliation so mm -hmm. like it's like it's so beautiful that the how you've been able to take what could have been a very like uh almost like oh my god I've been working down this path and then yeah. now it's diverted and that could easily turn some people off their journey but you've just embraced it and rolled with the punches which I love I, I mean I try to <laughs> <laughs> I definitely at the time I definitely had like if you can picture, like, if you tried to pick a cat up off of a couch when they dig their claws in, yep, the couch like, cushions coming with them. Everything's coming. <laughs> right. Um, like for, for a good half of that trip, I was like, no, this is about the Morrigan and this is what we're going to do. And then it, it was a good halfway in when things got so just blatantly ridiculous <laughs> that I was like, okay, <laughs> like I, I, I admit like this is not going the way I planned it to. And that's okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. we'll just, we'll, we'll figure out where it's going from here. Um, I just don't want you to have too high of opinion of me. Cause I initially was very much <laughs> like, like this. this is not cool. Um, 
Oh, but man. I love that though because it shows so much of how the journeys are so real and that they just constantly evolve and that underneath all of it, whether it's the whole magical thing or everything, is that we're just we're humans and we're trying to find our way through everything and, and work with whatever works for us. So yeah. Yeah. no, I think but it's I, wonderful. <laughs> I I definitely think like if if I could have like one <laughs> heartfelt public service message for everyone yeah. listening. We do, I think, like as witches in general, tend to ha- get this idea of like you you need to have this um, set approach mm. and you need to like stick to it and present this appearance of like, no, this is what I believe. And, you know, mm. this is my journey. And, you know, that's, life is just not like that. And spirituality yeah. is not like that either. Things change and beliefs change mm-hmm. and, you know, I think we're constantly creating and recreating ourselves Mm. and, you know, to be aware of that, to realize like, well, it's okay. It's okay. If I, you know, spent 10 years focusing on this particular goddess. And now I realize actually that's not, you know, where I'm meant to be, you know, it's, Uh it's like my husband calls it my phases. He's like, oh, you're going through it. So he calls this my Kanunos phase. I'm like, it's not a phase. It's just part of the journey. Like it just reinvents itself. And like, it's the next step to the next thing. And, and it's kind of yeah. like, you know, and it's, it's only when you get to that step and then you reflect back and you start noticing all the little signs that you ignored. Yep. <laughs> and yep. the universe was trying to get your attention. You're just like totally oblivious because you're so focused on that one track that you were on. And it's only when you can look back and go, oh, is that what that meant? Oh. <laughs> yeah, so exactly. All. Exactly, though. I mean, when when I had everything happen with me afterwards and I was very like, oh, you know, how am I going to explain to people? Because I'm an author and I've written these books and now I'm going in this totally different direction. And the majority yeah. of my friends were like, do you really think you're going in a totally different direction? Yeah. Like, Do you have news for you? Like <laughs> all of us. All of us have seen this coming for a long time. Like you've, you've yeah. always had this focus. It's just been like with other things and now the other things aren't there. And I was like, huh. Mm. Okay. It's like, <laughs> that's ah, a good point. Yep. I can right. see that. <laughs> but like, you, like you're saying, you, we, we get so caught up in like mm. the little piece of the picture that we're looking at and we yeah. don't see you know, we don't see the, the universe messages. We don't see where things are leading yeah. until we get there. And then it seems like a huge shock to us. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, hang on. We've been trying to tell you this the whole time. We've been warning you. <laughs> it's, it's like here in the U.S., we have these telemarketers with this. They'll call about this car warranty that nobody actually has. Like we've been trying to reach you about your car warranty. I feel like the universe is like that sometimes where they're yes. every single day calling like we're trying to reach you. <laughs> With this message, if you could just pay attention for like five seconds. Yeah, that's it. Just a little bit. (laughs) And and we're always like, darn telemarketers. I know. That's it. Yeah, even though they sometimes it's an important message. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. right. (laughs) So if there's one key takeout from this podcast, it's anytime someone calls you, listen to what they have to say first before (laughs) you tell them to go away. Yes. Before, yeah, no it could be some kind of message in there somewhere. Yeah, and, and it could be the tiniest little thing you don't even realize until you hear the message and then say oh now that i've heard you thank you but no thank you <laughs> that's right so or or now that i've heard you actually yes this is important yeah let me, let me write that down it's, it's actually like a funny because like vicky and i were talking about this last night when 
because I talk about Kununos saying that he's only come into my life in the last like month or so. But then I was going through photos with Vicky and I was just sending her lots of random photos of my house before we built it and the display home that we looked at that I fell in love with. And when I sent her all these photos, I'm like, I've only just realized how many deer, like things with deer on them was in this house that I, I was attracted to this particular house. I didn't know why I just had to have that house. So we took that one and we chose that one out of all the others we looked at to build it. And then something I'm like, I need more deer things in here. It doesn't quite look like the display home that I loved so much. And now it's slowly evolving. There's deer stuff everywhere. Um, right. And it's like, oh, wait, it wasn't the house at all. It was everything <laughs> else that was in it. That's it. It's that hindsight when you can look back and go, hang on, they really were trying to tell me for a yeah. long time. And it's like, it's like he was tapping at the door saying, hello, yeah. I'm here. <laughs> Didn't notice him until now. But anyway, so... Right. Yeah, you go. You, no, I was going to say, you go. I, I was, was going to... You, <laughs> you do it. You. Okay. <laughs> so continuing on with that then, I'd love to now talk about the Good Folk fairies, the whole thing. Yeah. Because apparently I really need to know about this today as well, as we've seen this morning. So I guess one of the things is, I guess, what are some of the myths and things that people kind of perceive yeah. them as being and what they truly ah sure i guess um, like i know that's probably a really huge so i'm um, guess... debunking the fairies <laughs> yes <laughs> but yeah what what that difference is because i know a lot of people often think of like the tinkerbells there's a lot of that side of things and then mm-hmm. there's even sort of through stories and and things like that of that they're all lovey and and wonderful and and lots of little but then you hear the the opposite too about they will hide your keys and and like the the mischievous stuff that they do and then there's like i mean i don't know a lot about it but maybe we'll dabble into this in the question um or the answer sorry it like you know i hear stories of like in ireland that you can't do you can't go to certain places because it's the the fairies live there and you can't you're not allowed to set foot on there or or they're like there's hand fastings that you do where you put your hands through a fairy circle and do the hand fasting I don't know like let's let's explore that because I'm sure that you're probably yeah I don't know I feel like you know the answers (laughs) sure well what we really have today is this this kind of two different and sort of opposing understandings of fairies and Mm -hmm. one of them comes from the folklore Mm -hmm. um, which is the basically cultural beliefs that get passed down through generations Um, and I, I will start by saying we use the term fairy, which is obviously an English word. And, uh, you know, it's, people primarily sort of think of like Western European, um, like, like the UK and the Celtic countries with fairies. But we see fairy-like beings, beings that would fit the sort of general definition of a fairy all around the world. Um, all cultures kind of have some sort of concept of a being that is in the human world, but isn't from the human world mm-hmm. yeah. kind of has another world that it lives in, but it can enter into ours and who has the ability to like enchant or magically influence humans who can be dangerous, who can cause illnesses or madness or death, you know, super fun mm. at parties. Um, <laughs> sorry. Or, um, you know, can do positive things as well, like healing and, and luck and money, you know, it's the, whatever they can cause in a negative sense, they can also bring the positive to that same thing. Um, but that's something we, we find everywhere. Um, yeah. and when you see population shifting around and moving, um, you know, like, uh, 
people in Scotland and Ireland going to Canada and the US and Australia, they seem like they bring these beings with them, that these beings mm, follow yeah. populations yeah. and then kind of spread. And um, I'm mostly saying this just to point out that this, you know, when we talk about what fairies are, you know, we want to be careful not to kind of get it in our head. Like it's just this one specific kind of very niche cultural concept. Yeah. Like they're, they're kind of all over the place under different names usually, yeah. Yeah. but yeah, we can, we can find them kind of everywhere. Um, and I did just sort of touch on some of the things they can do. Uh, it, it is a, a catch-all term fairy. So, mm-hmm. you know, when we see the, the older folklore with fairies, you know, you have some that are um, a few inches tall. You have some that are 18 inches tall, three feet tall, um, five or six feet tall, um, some that look very much just like humans, um, no wings, no pointed ears. Um, you see some that look like horses or dogs or cats. I mean, it's, it's a really wide range. Um, yeah. Selkies would look like a seal in the water, but then out of the water, they can take the seal skin off and look like a human. Um, and these are all fairies. These are all types of fairies. Yeah. And so it's, it's a hugely broad category and you know some fairies can be helpful to humans or you know can be inclined to be helpful to humans if you know if you are polite to them or or give them a lot of dairy products um which weirdly enough dairy products are another global fairy thing like whatever culture you look at if they have dairy and they have some kind of fairy that they usually yeah those two things intersect yeah 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 yeah. Um, (laughs) I was talking with a friend of mine who um, is a, a Tibetan Buddhist um, and is absolutely brilliant, brilliant person. He translates Sanskrit and Tibetan and, and all sorts of cool stuff because he's just amazing. Um, but I was talking to him about this and, and he was mentioning that the spirits they have in Tibet that are similar to what we call fairies, also very into milk, give them milk wow. offerings. And yeah, it was like, huh. That's yeah. It's just really interesting. Mm. So milk is always a safe go-to. I was gonna <laughs> say that's always the one. <laughs> yeah, that's yes, you, you can never go wrong <laughs> with milk or or dairy products. Um, but so we have these folkloric fairies that are like this, and they can be dangerous. And you know, this is where we get this idea. You'll see, like you mentioned in Ireland, of like you don't cut down certain trees mm. because it'll anger them, and then they'll they will respond in an angry manner. You don't go to certain hills, um, you know, you don't, you don't mess with their stuff basically um, because it won't end well for you. But then we also have these, like what I call pop culture fairies, popular Mm -hmm. culture fairies, which is like the Disney Tinkerbell. Um, It's the ones that you'll see in a lot of fiction Mm -hmm. where, you know, they're um, even if they try to be a little closer to the folklore, they, they tend to be, um, very romanticized and very yeah. anthropomorphized, very human-like. Yeah. Um, and those are definitely completely separate, separate sort of concepts. Mm-hmm. Um, that idea of like fairies as helpful guides and like earth angels. Um, that's sort of sort of a Doreen virtue kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fairies. Yep. Um, you know, a lot of that comes from the Victorian era and Theosophy. And um, that whole sort of time period, the Victorians were really big on reinterpreting cultural fairies and making them like children's entertainment. Um, and so theosophy, we're talking like Blavatsky and all of that? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. yep. 
theosophy took the idea of fairies and the idea of fairies particularly kind of interpreted through alchemy um which is the the four elemental groups of fairies and the victorian idea of you know romanticizing nature and blended it all sort of together so that we get this idea of fairies as nature spirits who you know are like associated with particular elements and Mm. are more helpful and all of that kind of comes out of that that mix Uh, yeah Um, yeah which is actually really super fascinating I could honestly talk for the entire hour just about that (laughs) yeah um because it's just super interesting how that all sort of evolved and happened but once it made it to fiction like once a thing hits fiction that's really widespread and I guess that's another hard thing is it's like when you're reading certain things like you never know where someone's drawing the information from like mm. whether it's from a credible source or whether mm. they're just going pop culture like because these days like I tried to look for I wanted to have a depiction of fairies in my book shadows and I tried to look for an image of what I would consider to be a real fairy on the internet do you know how hard it is to find what I think a fairy <laughs> looks like I'm yeah, like why is everything like Tinkerbell like yep. <laughs> it's so irritating and like is it, that's not how they look to me from what I've seen of them but then I've but as you described I've seen some fairies which are like big ginormous like Mm. six seven foot Mm -hmm. almost yeti looking things yeah yeah but then I've also seen tiny little things that you would I don't know for lack of a better phrase like imps goblins that kind of looking Mm. thing like and I've seen something that are like kind of in between that and then I have seen them that look like human and when I, Mm. I tried to sit here and reconcile and I was asking spirit source my guides like why do they keep looking like different things and they said well that's because they are all different like there's not just one thing and then what i've come to learn is that like spirit will always show you itself in whatever makes sense to you or whatever's gonna like your point of reference almost Mm -hmm. um so if you if you've only been subjected to tinkerbell looking fairies then maybe it will show itself to you like that first to kind of ease you into their world so it's not so like oh what are you um, I don't know any takes on that. Yeah, actually that, that brings up an excellent point because I had mentioned, you know, fairies and folklore don't have wings, which is true. They fly, but they fly with magic. They don't have wings, but the idea of them having wings started in the theater mm-hmm. in, you know, 16th, 17th century. Cause they needed a way to make it clear if an actor was playing a fairy, how yeah, are you supposed to know? Define it. You know, they can't walk out with a, they can't walk out with a sign that says I'm a fairy. Yeah. (laughs) It's not quite, it doesn't quite have the same zing to it when you watch it. Ruin the immersion a little bit. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So they, they started um, putting the actors in, in little wings because it was this idea that, you know, fairies through a lot of different um, Christian lenses are seen as being not demons and not angels but kind of in between mm-hmm. yeah. so they can't have bird wings because that's angels they can't have bat wings because that's demons so they would give them like insect wings um butterflies and and that which also looks really nice you know on stage and then it made its way into artwork and then we started seeing it in fiction but still through all of this people actually having like anecdotal experience people having you know seeing them encountering them would never describe them having wings mm. until about um, 1970, 1980 is when we first start to see people. And that was when, if you think about it, 
would it would be so hard in like mainstream, particularly U.S. culture, to see a fairy that didn't have a wing, because mm. that's mm. all the artwork has in the wings. Um, even in books, they would kind of be described that Tinkerbell, you know, yeah. Wing sort of thing. Yeah. Thank you, Disney. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for many, so many things. Thank you, Disney. But that one in particular, yes. Um, and you know, it's this idea that, like you were saying, it permeates the culture so much yep. that that becomes what people expect. Mm-hmm. And if that's what you're expecting to see, mm. you know, you're dealing with these beings who are shapeshifters and you have a magic it's called glamour that can influence human perception. So you're going to see that, you know, yeah. and that's, you know, how they're basically saying, well, I'm a fairy and you know, I'm a fairy because I have wings. Cause and I'm, I'm doing the thing. You're, <laughs> yeah. Cause that's what you're expecting. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really interesting um, and I, I do think you're right that they they will present themselves to us in ways to get their message across, whatever mm-hmm. that message is. You yeah. know, if they're trying to scare you, then they're going to look, you know, uh, unpleasant. Yeah. <laughs> and if they're trying to, you know, let you know that they're a fairy, they'll definitely, they'll have wings. They'll look stereotypically, you know, pop culture fairyish. And you know, sort of your, your perception and your expectation definitely is going to affect that a hundred percent. So do you know then from your research um, where the pointed ear thing came from? Cause that's another thing that I is do. very common. <laughs> like people always yeah. think fairies have to have pointed ears and like, cause yeah. I've, I mean, you can't see them on camera, but I've got a couple of goblets up on the top shelf on this side. And it's a couple of like, I'd call them like elves or like the fae, like, and they've got the pointed ears with the crown mm-hmm. of like roses and whatnot and like their little goblets. And I love them. And, but see, one of my guides presents herself with the pointed ears and everything. Yeah. But that's how she looks to me. I don't know if other people would perceive her the same um, yeah. because I think that that's part of my pop cultural references that I've like, I'm into that, mm. <laughs> that world yeah. from a fantasy fiction reader and whatnot. Yeah. Well, and that's, again, it's that same thing where it's it's become so popular particularly after the lord of the rings movies Mm. came out Mm. um i mean it was a little bit before then too but after those movies came out like i don't think you could find an elf or a fairy that didn't have pointed ears (laughs) anywhere um it's it's super interesting if you look at the way the pointed ears happened because um it initially you would occasionally see them in artwork, but not a lot. And the oldest examples were based on basically the Greek um, satyr. Mm-hmm. satyr um, yeah. And it was actually a mistranslation of something in the Bible that compared a certain type of demon to, to satyrs and um, this idea that they had these almost like donkey-like pointed ears, uh-huh. um, very large, oversized and pointed. Mm. And this then got into artwork a bit where um, particularly again, the Victorian era, you would see them trying to differentiate fairies had wings, but round ears, but elves would have pointed ears and no wings. And it was, again, it's this visual cue. So when you mm. saw it, you'd be like, oh, okay. I yep. see what's going on here. Yep. Yep. Um, and then Tolkien, when he was writing, um, he actually doesn't say in any of his published works that elves have pointed ears. But he had made a note in some of his like appendix appendices somewhere, comparing them to leaves, um, that sort of pointed leaf uh. shape. Um, 
so it kind of went from there. And then of course, the more it gets depicted um, in pop culture stuff, um, you know, you had the, the cartoon Lord of the Rings movies, if you mm. can remember those. I, that was before my time, in fairness, but <laughs> I have seen them because they were kind of everywhere when I was younger. But, you know, elves with pointed ears, again, so you could tell what's an elf versus what's a human mm-hmm. in the movie. Yeah. Um, and then it's super interesting to me to watch this evolution because now in anime and gaming, World of Warcraft in particular, mm-hmm. they make the ears like these hugely ridiculous, mm-hmm. oversized, completely non-functional. You would yeah. get those chopped off in a battle in like two yeah. seconds. <laughs> um, not to mention, you know, there's all sorts of other reasons just biologically that that can't be good. <laughs> yeah, it would not make a lot of sense, but I will not get off on a whole rant about the like <laughs> unreality of World of Warcraft elf ears. But um, that actually is closer to what the much older depictions of like the satyrs, cannot say that word tonight, satyrs, um, with the almost like donkey-like, donkey. the really mm-hmm. big animalistic. Yeah. Um, which is funny because the whole point of those years was to compare them to animals to say that, you know, mm. you're, you're half goat and you have giant oversized donkey ears. Um, yeah. And now we're kind of going right back to that mm. with fairies. Yeah. Cause you're, you're starting to see that in artwork in a lot of places now. Yeah. That's like the, the way people are picturing elf ears is, is big and pointed and I'm reading stories now that describe them that way. So it's just fascinating to see how this idea will, will take root and then spread. And like you said, now mm. people having actual experiences will mention seeing them that way. Mm. I think because we're so primed to yeah. expect it. Yeah. You know, it kind of roots if- itself in that collective consciousness kind of thing. Yeah. And then that it takes on a life of its own. Yeah, exactly. It becomes like, again, you know, giving you what you expect you, you, um, if you see it with pointed ears, you immediately kind of have associations for what would that be? Mm. Yeah. So I guess, I guess then if, if people are kind of wanting to go back to and find the original sources and really get into the fairy realm in the way it's, I guess, authentic. I don't know how else yeah. to say that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, like obviously, obviously there's, you've written a ton of books, but where else can they, like aside from your books, like where else are some like reputable sources or places that people can go that they're not going to get this romanticized like Tinkerbell mm-hmm. version of fairies? Sure. Um, I don't know why, but a lot of people really do prefer fiction as a source. Um, mm-hmm. which I have opinions on, but I will not share them because <laughs> that would be a whole rant. Um, <laughs> if, if you really want to go to fiction as a source, Susanna Clark's Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norell is excellent. Um, and they actually made a BBC um, series. So I was going to say, I think that's a TV, TV yep. series as well, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. You can watch the TV series, um, very realistically depicted folklore in that. Um, there's a book called The Knowing by Kevin Munwaring, which is also very good. Um, or The Call by Peter O'Gullen, um, very close to actual folklore, if you want to go to fiction. If you don't want to go to fiction, um, which is actually, I would recommend not going to fiction, <laughs> right? Um, if you have to, those are your best options. But um, Eddie Lenahan in Ireland is a, a very well-known storyteller. He talks a lot about the other crowd. He has a book called Meeting the Other Crowd, which mm-hmm. is all Irish um, fairy stories, basically. Yeah. 
Um, there's a gentleman by the name of Michael Fortune who has a YouTube channel. Um, and he actually goes around and interviews people, um, sometimes younger people, but particularly older people about the folklore that they know and the stories that they know. And some of it is them repeating older folklore stories, but some of it is like, you know, I remember, you know, I don't remember, but an interview with someone and they would say like, oh, I remember when I was younger and my neighbor, you know, accidentally cut a fairy tree and this is what happened. And mm. so it's really, you know, really good stuff to, to look to. Um, there's a website called Duchess.ie, um, D-U-C-H-A-S dot I-E. And it's a collection of um, folklore that was written down in the early uh, 20th century um, by school children. And again, you can search, you know, Banshee, Puka, mm-hmm. uh, Fairy in general, and you'll get all these great um, original folklore stories. Um, I'm obviously primarily focused on the Irish. So that's why I'm giving you all these Irish references. Um, <laughs> Terry, Terry Gunnell in Iceland is very good for the, the Alfar, the Norse. Um, Mara uh, Starling has a book coming out on Welsh witchcraft. And she has a whole chapter in there about Welsh fairies, which is amazing. Yeah. She's an excellent resource. She also has TikTok where she does um, occasionally some uh, Welsh folklore videos, which are great. Um, trying to think if I can think of any Scottish resources offhand. Um, Cowan and Henderson have a book called uh, Scottish Fairy Beliefs, mm-hmm. yep. which is really good. Um, Brian Walsh has a book called The Secret... Uh, Commonwealth of the Fairy Belief Complex, which is yeah. looking at Reverend Kirk's writing. Reverend Kirk is like the holy godfather of fairy research. Yeah, um, he, <laughs> he, he, he was a minister who wrote in the 17th century, and he he basically wrote a treatise on Scottish fairy beliefs at the time. Um, and it's yeah, it's it's wonderful, wonderful material. It's written in Scots, which is not always easy to read. Um, so I recommend Brian Walsh's book because he includes an English, modern English translation. Yeah. Um, but yeah, any of those um, are great resources. Uh, Laura O'Brien has a YouTube channel um, and she also has some paid classes about fairies. Um, she's in Ireland. That would be another great source. Um, mm-hmm. I could keep going. I no, could this, is, more resources. This, this is good though, because <laughs> like, and this is the type of conversation that I'm glad we're having because it's like, often when we talk about something, we, we, we forget to think of like, or to ask where they can go for more information. Yeah. Um, Cause it's always good to kind of follow the breadcrumbs and like to get to the, the real stuff. So one thing we did touch on then was um, obviously we've mentioned a little bit about Irish and then um, Scottish, Welsh, English, and then Norse. So like just for the lay person, the differences between Celtic and Irish and the differences between then Irish and Norse, like how would one differentiate or know, like to, how do you differentiate or if like to categorize them correctly and stuff? Sure. Um, Celtic is sort of a, a catch-all term. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of those flying around tonight, um, this morning for you, tonight for me. Yeah. Um, uh, we talk about Celtic. Celtic is really it's a group of cultures that are connected by language mm-hmm. primarily and then some shared mythology and artwork um so the the six modern celtic nations are ireland scotland wales cornwall 
the Isle of Man and Brittany, which is in mm-hmm. northern France. Um, historically, there were many more than that. Gaul, uh, which we're talking about, Carnados earlier, um, being Gaulish is one. Um, Gaul would have been a little south of where Brittany is now. I, well, Gaul was gigantic. I shouldn't make it sound like it was this yeah, tiny it's little like, area of what, France. What became the Fran- Frankish Empire or whatnot? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it was. It was much bigger than my offhand comment just implied. Um, and there used to be more than that, even that were, you know, that didn't survive, uh, into, you know, really recorded history. So we don't have a lot of evidence of them. Um, Gaul, we do, we have a lot of Gaulish material. So we talk about Celtic, we're kind of talking about like that umbrella term with pagan. It covers a lot of specific things in it. Um, we talk about Irish, that would be one of those specific Celtic language cultures. Um, it's c- most closely related Irish to Scottish and Welsh. And then, you know, you have degrees of separation with the others. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when you get into the, the Norse, it gets interesting. I'm kind of thinking about interrelated cultures here um, because Norse had a lot of influence because they had that habit of, you know, raiding and settling mm-hmm. and, and taking places yeah. over pesky little habit they had at the time. <laughs> um, so, you know, there's uh, parts of Scotland, particularly lowland Scotland, that have a lot of Norse influence. Um, mm. I mentioned Reverend Kirk's book is written in Scots. Scots is an absolutely fascinating language that is sort of the unholy love child of Norse, um, Middle English, and Gaelic, which is Scottish, uh, Scottish Gaelic. Uh, so if you can picture those three languages having a baby, that mm, would be Scots. That would be, that would be so interesting. That would be Scots. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah. Um, it's a really fascinating and, and beautiful language. Um, some people argue it's a dialect and not a language, but I think it's a language because if you don't understand like some of the words they have, it, you, you're not going to understand it. It's not yeah. like just an accent. It's, it's more complicated than that. Um, but you see a lot of Norse influence there. Um, the Orkney Isles, a lot of Norse there, um, Norse culture there. Norse culture actually kind of took over and just it became completely Norse there. But then on the flip side, you have some place like Iceland, who obviously primarily settled by the Norse, tons of Norse culture. But again, getting into this pesky habit that um, certain Norse cultures had about a thousand <laughs> years ago, they tended to get their wives involuntarily from Ireland. So you had all these Irish women who ended up settling in Iceland again, involuntarily, but you know, they ended up there and they had all their beliefs that they brought with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we look at Icelandic fairy beliefs, um, beliefs connected to the alpha and the hold folk, um, it's really, really similar to the Irish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for a long time, scholars were a little confused about why that was that it was like, well, Cause like a quarter of people in Iceland have Irish DNA for a reason. Yeah, that's it. They've no. brought it with them. And especially being the yeah. women as well is that often then they were the ones that would pass that on a little bit yep. as well. Yeah. yeah Cause life. yeah. And those are the, you know, the women being the ones who, who had the children from when they were very young until they were old enough to go, mm. you know, train with the fathers or apprentice or whatever. Yeah. They're the ones passing on the whole, like you give milk, to the good yeah. folk and you don't 
mess with them. And so you see a lot of things in Iceland that are to, even today that are very similar, like roads getting rerouted because mm-hmm. it interferes with an elf place. Um, Elfakirchen is what they're called, elf churches in Iceland. But it's the same concept you see in Ireland with roads getting rerouted because there's a fairy tree, you know, or there's a, a, a fairy fort that you don't want to mess with. Yeah. Um, you just so, remind me of, of some of these memes that I've seen on the internet where it's like, um, it shows, I think it was like a swing in, in we surrounded by like <laughs> stones and it's like, uh, uh-uh, I'm not going on that swing because <laughs> it's the yeah. ever thinks it's like a fairy ring. Going yeah. Around yep. It. Yep. No. yeah. There was, there was, there was one going on recently that was, um, a circle of mushrooms around a place that the slide went like right into oh, the that, circle Maybe mushrooms. that's what it was. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I think so. I don't mind. It might've been. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like, like mm, I don't know if I'd be game. <laughs> no. No, I don't I don't think so. No, um, I wouldn't push my luck. <laughs> no. Not so, not the way this decade's going. No. Uh, really yeah, don't. no. Maybe wait till all of the current world stuff is over. And I'm gonna say that because I don't want to give any more heat to it, but like when all the current stuff in the current era is yeah. over, maybe then <laughs> yeah. we can definitely mess I, I see a lot of memes that go around and like, like Tumblr quotes and stuff that go around that are like, oh, you know, I wish the, the Faye would come steal me. And I'm like, you really need to read some more folklore because <laughs> that is not going to work out the way you think it is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's like, I don't know if, you, if you've seen um, Outlander, there's, there's a particular, like the series on, I think it's on HBO, but um, I actually haven't. Oh, okay. So I'm this like, is, ma- this is my, my bad Celtic pagan moment. I have no, not that, watched Outlander. That's okay. That's okay. So um, we, in Outlander, there's a, obviously there's a lot of scenes because it's mainly in Scotland. Um, yeah. And they talk about like particular fairy mounds and fairy rings and stuff like that. And there's at one point where someone was, uh, their baby was sick and they put it as an offering to the fairies for it to become a changeling or something. Mm. They had to, I don't know, some, some kind of agreement with the fairies that you have to leave the baby there. And I mean, they might've thought it was a changeling was and say, they were trying to, yeah, to get them to take it back and, and return the human baby. Okay. That's what that's, it was then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cause that's something we see a lot in folk. Well, I shouldn't say a lot, but we see that across folklore. Um, the idea that it wasn't just babies in the folklore. It was like all ages. Um, anyone was oh, open really? season. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I actually realized that I'd only ever heard of babies. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Most people tend to talk about the babies mm. the most, but um, the most famous example of a changeling in Ireland, uh, which is, it's a very sad, tragic story, but um, in uh, the 1890s was a woman named Bridget Cleary um, and she was 26. So wow. definitely adults are also, you know, yeah, in there too. also an option. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I guess then what, what if someone accidentally, I know we've gone upon a bit of a tangent, but we love a good tangent on this show. Um, if someone accidentally stumbles across a fairy tree or a fairy mound or a fairy ring or any of the above, is there how, like is there any telltale signs of how you can a tell that you've been there or b if you have and you didn't mean it is there a way you can appease the fairies so they don't get vengeance? <laughs> yeah. Protocols. I mean, I think usually if you end up there unintentionally, like you you will usually know like things will get weird. Yeah. Um, the atmosphere changes. Um, there's actually stories of people who did not believe and were very like oh you know, fairy nonsense, whatever. But then they have that moment where they, they go somewhere they shouldn't, or they, you know, get into something they shouldn't. And 
I mean, these are people who are very skeptical and don't believe in this sort of thing, but once they kind of get there and that atmosphere starts to shift and, you know, I've, for example, I've, I mean, I do believe, but I've had experiences where you get somewhere that they don't want you to be. And like, everything goes completely silent. Mm. The the insects stop, the birds stop. Um, One time. It's giving me chills. (laughs) Well, I'm just saying like, you just have to be aware, like when something Mm. happens, like back away slowly. like i'm sorry um and yeah they value politeness so just apologizing and being like i'm sorry you know no offense intended um again dairy when when i was in ireland it was a running joke with the people i shouldn't say when because i've been there more than once when i am in ireland yeah um it's a running joke usually with whoever i'm with that i will have butter in my purse like anytime we go to restaurants (laughs) I, I will like nick the, the pats of the butter at the restaurant. <laughs> yep. And I'll have them in my purse. So like when things happen, I'm just like, let, let me, let me get the butter. Let me get it out. <laughs> yep. I'm, I'm storing that in my back, in my back I know, pocket. I'm like, great <laughs> When I eventually get to Ireland, I'm taking those little sachets of butter and I'm just going to keep yep. onto them just in case. Yeah. Yep. Nice. Yep. The little foil wrappers make it convenient. You just, you know. Yeah. Perfect I mean, portion. Hopefully it's not it too hot a day when you've got them all in your bag because that could be messy. <laughs> I, I had actually put them all in a, a larger Ziploc bag. I was about larger to say, plastic have bag. a little Ziploc bag in there. You'll be fine. Yep. Yeah. Um, uh, I love it. I love it. This uh, is the see, practical practical <laughs> tips 101. Like yeah. if you go to Ireland or yeah. anywhere where there's fairies, carry some butter, Ziploc bag, done. <laughs> yep. Yep. You never know when you might need it. That's it. it. Comes in handy. And so, okay, let, let, let's play devil's advocate. Someone's listening to this podcast and they're actively wanting that experience. Any words of wisdom or warning <laughs> for those people? Um, I mean, the, the first thing I usually tell people when they ask me how to like engage with these beings is, you know, a big thing to remember is these, these are individual beings with agency um, they can do or not do whatever they choose. And there are people who will spend their entire lives seeking this experience and never have it. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if they do not want to engage with you, they will not. Um, you can't like, well, I mean, if you get into the grimoire material, you can compel them, but I don't recommend that because that won't end well for you eventually. Yeah. But, you know, there's, there's no way you can like, in a non-ceremonial magic kind of way, force them to interact with you. Um, And I also just like to remind people that like, whatever you think it is that you are going to get is not necessarily what you're going to get. You know, if you have this idea that it's like a a, a cute tree little garden fairy, um, you know, certainly those exist pretty much everything. you know, that Shakespeare quote, there's more on heaven and earth ratio than yeah. you're imagining. Um, you know, so I'm sure garden fairies are out there somewhere, but there's so much else out there. And if you just sort of open yourself up to anything that might want to come along um, and have an interest in you, that is often not going to end well. Um, so just kind of, I encourage people to be cautious. Mm. You know, it's like throwing open your front door and saying, well, I want my um, neighbor down the street, I want to meet them and talk to them. 
you know, so I'm just going to throw my front door open. Well, you don't know who's going to come in. Anyone could come yeah. in, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. wild, wild animals could come in. Um, you know, Those it's, yeah. You know, I don't know whether to bring attention to this or not. I don't know if you all have picked up on this, but when we have been talking this whole time, there's always some kind of background noise. As soon as I asked that question, it went dead silent. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, this is like, <laughs> like, I'm like, okay, I'm listening. I'm listening. I won't, I, I, I won't meddle with things that I don't understand. It's okay. <laughs> what, I, what I usually tell people is if, if you really want to do this, if, mm-hmm. you know, um, I'd mentioned earlier, I consider myself a witch. I specifically consider myself a fairy witch, which is, you know, a witch who engages primarily with this. Um, if that's something that you really feel passionate about and you really feel like this is what you're meant to do. Um, what I usually tell people besides those two things is just be very specific in what you're trying to engage with. Um, start with house fairies, start mm-hmm. with things that are already around you and already inclined mm. to kind of like you mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. or be, you know, be willing to like you um, start small and work your way out from there. Yeah. Um, because I, I, I do get a lot of people contacting me um, through various social media, you know, with like this, I was interested and I wanted to have an experience and now I have this horrific problem. What do I do? And it's, you know, it's a whole different culture. It's a whole different etiquette with fairies. Mm, yep. And one of the things that gets tricky with them in particular, as opposed to some other kinds of spirits, you know, ghosts, what have you, yeah. is once you've kind of put out an invitation or an offering, it's really hard to take that back. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I tend to tell people like you imagine them like lawyers. Uh-huh. They're all very, very good lawyers and they will like loophole you and, you know, fine print and, yeah. you know, so just start, start with house fairies, start small and, and work up from there, but definitely don't just be like, whatever wants to show up. <laughs> Come on in. <laughs> welcome welcome um so, so then like to, not to go too pop culturally but like obviously this is a, a point of reference that some people have that like to engage with the fairy realm i mean you you think of the things that are available right so people think of those little cute little fairy doors with all the little things you can put out for your children to get involved with them or some people have that little that little fairy ring that they create outside in their backyard in the corner of the garden and stuff like that like are these real like do will is this a real way to engage or is this more of a fun thing to do to involve children like so here's here's my opinion on the, mm-hmm. the trendy stuff um fairy houses i'm very pro fairy house um and there's a history of that actually depending on how you want to define a fairy house um all the way back into the roman period mm-hmm. um the idea that you know especially like house spirits and your garden spirits you offer them a place and it's like a basically a shrine for them mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a way to be welcoming and respectful. So that I'm hundred percent. Okay. With that fairy doors, I'm not going to lie. I hate them. <laughs> um, first of all, you know, the, the Irish fairy door company bless them and their marketing. Um, if you buy one of those it actually comes with a written contract. I'm, I'm like 90% oh. sure it's run by actual fairies. I should mention yeah, the Irish I fairy door company. Um, it actually comes with a, a lease agreement that you or your child are supposed to sign for the fairy to like 
live Ooh. in your house, which to me, like all sorts of red flags. <laughs> I was going to say, hang on, don't be doing that. Read that right. fine print. <laughs> like I said, fairy lawyers, like don't, don't do it. Yeah. Um, and just the, the idea of fairy doors, I don't like because it's a door, but you don't know for sure what's going to come through it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's not like a filter <laughs> where it's only yeah. going to be, you know, the, the twee little Tinkerbell fairies, it's, it's, you're literally just setting up a door to the other world yeah. and inviting in potentially to your child's bedroom and, and children and fairies have a very long, complicated history. Um, I mean, in pop culture, fairies are kind of seen as the, the minion of children, but in, in wider folklore, fairies are known to steal them a lot. Mm. Um, so yeah, I'm not a fan of fairy doors. Mm-hmm. Um, the the little decorative outdoor garden, like fairy rings. I mean, they're cute. They're they're harmless. They're not mm-hmm. gonna they're not gonna hurt anything. It's like little fairy dolls that that kids can make. You know, go ahead, have fun. You know, I'm not a hundred percent against fun. Just no, 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 <laughs> no. Just just know what you're dealing with before you go dabbling in it. Kind of thing is basically That's the thing, isn't it? Because right. like you, you're opening a portal, kind of thing. Mm. Right. You're opening that, like you said, that doorway to another realm or to the other side, and it's right. What's well, it's, it's like? It's like if you live somewhere that has poisonous snakes, poisonous spiders, mm. you know, um, dangerous animals. If you want to set up like an animal feeder in your yard, you have to be very careful what you're putting out and where you're doing it so that mm-hmm. you're only getting cute little songbirds, for example, mm. in my area, um, and not, you know, something that potentially is going to kill you. Yeah, right. <laughs> Nobody wants that. Well, I assume no, nobody no, wants right. that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, if, if, if people kind of think of it that way, yeah, maybe that'll help a little bit. I think you also, you really um, said it very early on in the minute is, is that respect mm-hmm. and having that um, general respect. Like even if, like you said, in folklore and it's in culture and things like that, even if it's not necessarily their belief system, there is still that innate respect that is there for, for what it is. And I guess that's what we need to continue on with, with everything is to have that common sense and that respect. I, I would 100% agree. Yeah. But um, so then if people want more information specifically about the fairy realm, I mean, you've written a ton of books. Yes. I, I could sit here and list them all, but I know there's a lot of them. <laughs> okay. Please don't. No, no, but which, which would be the ones that, pe- that you would recommend from your own writings of where people can start? Like where, where's the starting point if people want to get into mm. this specific genre of uh, like to become a fairy witch or to at least sure. know something Just about know it? Know more about it. My my primary recommendation, I have a book called Fairies, A Guide to the Celtic Fair Folk. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would be what I recommend people start with. It kind of goes over the etiquette, the safety stuff, sort of what they actually are as opposed to, you know, the more pop culture ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a really solid place for people to start. And then there's multiple directions you can go from there. Um and that one right now it's, it's out on paperback and it's coming out in audiobook um, shortly. So oh, beautiful. Yeah. For those that don't like to read <laughs> like my <laughs> husband, my husband's like, give me an audio book any day. And no. I'm the opposite. I, I want if, the paper. If I, if I listen to an audio book, I tune out, my mind goes off elsewhere. I'm like, wait, what was I listening to? And I'm like, wait, yeah. I missed a whole chunk. 
<laughs> I need, I need, I need the book book. Um, yeah, yeah. Book, yeah. You know what I mean? No, that, that's I awesome. Knew you, yeah. I'm with you. <laughs> yeah. No, Cause I thought like, at least then that can start that journey and see where it takes them. Uh, I mean, there's still a part of me that's like, oh, do I want to set up a little thing for them to? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no, I think I think I need to do a little bit more research before I dabble in that world. That's right. Yeah, um, I mean, it's it's definitely something that can be done. You just want to, you know, like anything else, you want to approach it safely. Well, I guess yeah. in, in a general witch sense, it's like, that's right. you know, there's a reason why we cast circles when we're doing the work. It's because mm-hmm. we're trying to create that barrier or that boundary or that protective kind of zone that whatever we're doing isn't going to get interfered with by otherworldly things so Mm -hmm. I guess it's no different to that like we're not just going to open up a portal here other world things come on into this house like yeah if you wouldn't do that to anything else yeah right well and it's it's the same thing kind of the flip side of it when people talk about spirit boards um, oh yeah mm, yeah like they get such a bad reputation and everyone's like oh never use them burn them blah but if you know how to use them safely if you know how to do it it's okay the yeah. reason people so many people have problems with it is because they don't mm. and it, it does become much like with the fairies just anything that's hanging around you want to talk to me like oh that's such a bad idea (laughs) (laughs) it's just um right right but if you know what you're doing um like any tool it's it's not the tool itself that's inherently you know good or bad really but you you have to know how to use it safely in order to to not have problems Yeah. yeah Yeah. And it's, it's kind of the same with the good folk. I often also tell people when you think of the good folk, when you think of fairies, try to treat them the way you would treat other human beings. Yeah. Oh, that's a dangerous. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> For some people. No, I'm just kidding. I, yeah, I that's, was, that's, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. I, I, was, I always like to say treat like anything in the other world. I always treat them as, as, as if I'm meeting a stranger for the first time, mm-hmm. like you wouldn't just go out and lash out at someone on the street and start mm-hmm. yelling and cursing and whatever, and treating them with disrespect. You would always be nothing but pleasant, always please. And thank you. Respectful. Yeah. Everything yeah. has to come first from respect. And once you've yeah. earned that respect and you have that relationship, maybe then you could blur the lines a little, but still from a respectful, like if they know you're joking, <laughs> it might be okay. Yeah. That's it. Once you've built that relationship. Yeah no that's that's brilliant and i i would agree with all of that and yeah i mean you can build friendships you can build alliances like you can it's like anything else you you work with the same or you you know connect to the same um being for long enough um i would definitely be much more comfortable joking with like my house spirits my house fairies than something that i just randomly ran into you know yeah out <laughs> out somewhere um you're, you're getting like company manners if I'm out somewhere random and I meet you but if I'm home and it's my house spirits that I've lived with for like 16 17 years then you know different you, you yeah you might get a little humor yeah well they might hide your keys occasionally just for fun <laughs> just to just yes. to have their, their entertainment of watching you ransack the house looking for the keys and then <laughs> yeah, they appear the spot that you know they were not in I've, ha- no. I've had that happen like no oh, no yeah. I've had that happen where I'm like, I looked in the place where I knew I put them. They weren't there. I ran like the whole house. And then eventually my husband goes, they were here. And I'm like, no, they were well, not. They were not there. That's the, that's the first fucking place that I looked. Of course they were not there. Whatever <laughs> yeah, you are, stop it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it's, it's true though. And 
I've, I've had them take like, not my keys. They tend to take my jewelry, but I've had so many weird things. Like when I tell people, I know they don't believe me, but I have witnesses to a lot of this. And it's true. Um, I had a bracelet disappear right before I was moving out of a house and we moved and it, the, I didn't see the bracelet for a couple months. And then I walked in and it was in the middle of my bathroom floor. And I'm like, really? Like completely different house, different towns, mm. different house. And I'm like, okay. Hi. There it is. <laughs> you know? Yep. <laughs> Um, did, did, so did, yeah, they, dare I ask, they did were, you did you start wearing the bracelet again after that? Though <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> what if they yeah. did something to the bracelet? You put it on and poof, off you go. <laughs> you end up. You know, <laughs> Am I even really here now? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'd be scared to put it back on if they've had it for that long. <laughs> Who knows what they did to that bracelet? You put it on, it could be like a portal in itself <laughs> i think i'm, I'm so kidding. i'm so used to it at this point because that like i said yeah. they'll take my jewelry and it'll be gone for months and then it'll show up somewhere that it could not possibly have been yeah. that whole time yeah. um yeah. i had a i had a ring disappear i had taken it off and put it on a bookshelf because i'm lazy with my jewelry sometimes um but i knew right where it was and mm-hmm. the next morning it wasn't there so i figured okay you know i do have cats maybe it got knocked and you know, if the cat was swatting it around, I'll never see it again. Yeah. And it showed up again months later in the ashtray in my car. I don't smoke, so I keep spare coins there, like change. Yeah. And I, I was going to get like some spare change for something. And I'm like, what? That's what is this crazy. nonsense? Yeah. <laughs> that so, is so bizarre. That is so bizarre. I love it though. Like that, that's that's cool. That that that's kind of fun though. Yeah. I mean, not fun if they hide something that you actually need. No, that's right. <laughs> but fun if it's just something little that you're like, oh, let's play a game of hide and go fetch. <laughs> yes. But when will I see this again and where does it, it come up? Yeah. Yep. Yep. No, this has been an absolutely been amazing, amazing conversation. I'm glad that we've had this conversation, even though like I know we've only scratched the tip of the iceberg and I could honestly yeah. sit here and chat about this topic now that we've started to unravel it. There's yeah. so many more questions that I have, but. I'm conscious of time. Yes. <laughs> um, and the fact that your children are probably going to want to go to bed soon. Um, I'm honestly surprised I haven't seen any of them. No. I've seen, I've seen the cats. I but I yes, the, the, the cats come in a few times. <laughs> yeah. Go, but that's it. <laughs> but Morgan, no, this has been so you. amazing. And I'd love yeah. to bring you back again in the future. Sure. For a follow-up sure, episode. I'd love to come yeah. back. Awesome. Yeah. I'd love to come back. Yeah. And thank you for having me. This was really fun. And so if people want to follow you on social media, how can they find you what's or the best ways? what's the best ways? We'll so, stick links below above wherever you're looking yeah, at this. Wherever but, it is. But cool. What's the best ways? I'm on Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram. I have a Patreon. I'm, I'm everywhere. Um, and at some point I decided to be super boring and everything is just under my name. So yeah. it's just Morgan Daimler. Uh, that's not all boring. these other it's just well, it's practical <laughs> it is all these other authors though like every social media they have is like some different fun cool name and I'm just like no yeah. Morgan Daimler <laughs> <laughs> wherever you go just put that in the only thing that's different is I do have a tumblr I admit I have a tumblr <laughs> like so dated of me now but and that is not under my name if you can find that then then yeah, then that's, see that's the treasure hunt <laughs> that is, that is. And, and then i want to hear one secret account 
I, I want to hear from our listeners. If you happen to find it, let us know. <laughs> but don't don't comment it below because that's the fun. When you yeah, know yeah. you can't tell others, they have to find it themselves. Just that's tell right. us I, in the comments if you found it. I will say that if you find it, you will know it's me. Like it's it's, it's very me. Um, but yeah, it's but it's not under my name. So yeah, awesome. Well, Morgan, once again, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, this has been thank an absolute you. treat. I've, I've, I feel like I've learned a lot, even yes. though now I just have so many more questions. Yeah, I know. I know. But that's okay. That was the other warning I should have given you. This subject is a rabbit hole. And once you, yes. that's how I got sucked in when I was a teenager. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to start looking into folklore. And now all these years later, I'm like, I still have so much more to learn and study maybe yeah. maybe that's part of their trickery yeah they, they, they hook you in with that sweet little offering of you want to yeah. know about us and then they just keep digging those hooks in and pull you deeper and deeper and then next next minute you wake up and you don't know where you are <laughs> it's a hundred years later and you're like what happened how did i get here or, or i mean this 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 analogy would be wasted on you but you like you accidentally touched that rock and there you're in 16th century scotland <laughs> um anyway, it's it's an outlander reference yeah yeah, yeah. uh anyways no in all honesty it's been amazing and Very hopefully wonderful. we get to see you again soon um so don't forget guys follow morgan on all social media uh, she's got does some both both uh factual as well as uh like meme oriented posts as well i love the meme ones they're, they're very cute and and fun to follow. Um, <laughs> but other than that, we hope you enjoyed this episode. And if there's any questions that you want us to ask Morgan next time, stick them in the comments. Yes. Let us know. Where would you like us to take this conversation when we do mm. the part dos? Um, yes. Yep. Where can we go? Because literally I could have gone in like. I was going to say there were so many, but I'm like. At least 15 so different time. directions. <laughs> yes. But I don't know. Thank you so much again. And we'll speak to you all very soon.